Grace Becomes Amazing to You as an Individual. It's a great title of a nice song, wonderful song. But many people sing it that it's not really amazed them enough yet to change them and make them what the Lord wanted them to be. We're so grateful today that it has changed us. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1 today, if you would, verse 15. What a privilege it is for us to be gathered today in the house of the Lord. If it wasn't for the mercy of the Lord, when you pull in this entrance down here on this sign, it could be all kinds of man-made names or man-made titles. And many of us used to belong to those things. But I'm so glad today we're not gathered under the auspices of a man-made something, but under a God-made something. Listen as we read these scriptures and you read with me if you would. Who is the image of the invisible God? Now just remember Paul is expressing this the way that none of the other writers of the New Testament had the insight. Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Let's read 18 now, verse 18 again, because this is such a beautiful portion for us as believers. He is the head of the body. David quoted it in the book of Psalms and talking about brethren dwelling together in unity, how precious and wonderful that it was. He said it was like the anointing oil that run down Aaron's beard. So when the high priest would become into his position, he did not just step into that position because he was born in the right family, the right brother, the right lineage, but he also had to become anointed. So they would take the oil, start at the top of his head, and they wouldn't bathe him in it, but they would anoint his head. It would come over his hair, down through his beard, and start dripping off of his beard down to his body. Now, this is the way God was prophesying in a type, in the way this scripture answers that our head, the Lord Jesus, was the anointed one, the Christos, the Greek word Christos. So he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. So this is the first one to receive it in this way. The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So we are in his body, part of his body. Then the anointing from our Christ comes down on us and tempers the whole body. The beard didn't get the oil first. The shoulders didn't get it. The head got it first. And then the anointing oil kept coming down. And this is the way that David said about brethren dwelling together in unity. Isn't it awesome when every son and daughter of God will be gathered in their place in Christ Jesus? 
No longer with this agenda and that agenda and another agenda, but only one, which is Christ, the mystery of God revealed. I mean, I'd like to be remembered today as we pray. Amen. God knows our many needs. Brother Louis doesn't mention many, but several still in our church that are sick with various things, viruses, this, that, and the other that are going around. And we certainly want to remember our brothers and sisters as well as many, many that we hear from around the world, from different parts of the world that contact us for prayer. Thank you for praying for Alicia and Erica. Alicia's able to be here today again in church. Thankful the Lord to that. Erica's doing better, still feeling some weak spells and <clears throat> going back to the doctor tomorrow. Thank you for praying for and uh, we just so appreciate it. Him, he has a need uh, you'd like to bring before the Lord today. I've got two prayer calls here, one for Sister Rachel Hamlin and one for her brother, both of them having needs in their bodies and the Lord is, is mindful of. Let's, let's approach him by the channel of prayer. <clears throat> Our dearest Heavenly Father, it's with gratitude and thanksgiving that we come before you today. Thank you, Lord God, for being so merciful to each of us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that grace has become amazing. Lord, I've just been listening to that song over and over and over again in the last several weeks and just been such a blessing to my heart. I pray, Father, that you'd help us to realize we don't just need grace for salvation. We need it every day of our life. The grace of God is what keeps us in this dark, evil age. We know, Lord, the world has never been where it is now. We know just early this morning, it was seen by satellite that Russia is moving some of their nuclear-capable airplanes into the air. They're flying around in America. Our top government heads are getting so nervous. Just this week, Russia's greatest, most destructible submarine showed up on one of our coasts in the United States, capable of carrying 126 nuclear warheads. And it's a stealth submarine, and America didn't even know it was there until they raised themselves out of the water so they could be seen so they could make America shake in their boots. But there's some folks on the earth that ain't shaking, even though they live in America. Because before they ever push one button, the bride will be gone, changed in a moment. Father, we pray that you'd be mindful of us in this state. We don't know where this is all going to lead to, Lord. We have brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. And I was so touched the other day as I received a text from Brother Eugene from Ukraine. And he was saying how they were praying for Eric and for Lisha. And wanted me to know that they were mindful. And the saints there in Ukraine were praying for them. And I thought, my goodness. Here they have hundreds of thousands, of, or at least a hundred thousand, of the Russian soldiers at their border. But like the family of God, they're praying for their family across the sea when the enemy is right on their border. There's no safer place we can be today than in Christ Jesus. Father, you saw the hands of your children that were uplifted. Be mindful of them today. I pray, Father, for Sister Rachel and her brother. You see their needs, Lord God. I ask that you be mindful of them, Lord. Minister to all those that are sick and needy today, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated.
God's secret mystery. He had before the world began. Now back in the back part of God's mind, there was something he was trying and was going to achieve. He had a motive in doing it in order to let himself be expressed. Because the first, there wasn't even a moon, star, atom, molecule, or anything. He was God, but he wasn't exactly God, he says, at that time. Because God is an object of worship, and there wasn't nothing to worship him. So in his great mind, he wanted these attributes to be expressed. In him was love. In him was to be son, in him to be savior, in him to be a healer. All these great attributes that we see already expressed, they were in God. And God, of course, decided within his being that he wanted to express himself to human beings. He must condescend. He must come down from this level here. In the realm of the eternal, there were no light meters, no molecules, no atoms, no time. But Moses kind of caught it when it was relevant for the expression of time to start coming into existence in a way that man could relate to it. And he says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God said, let there be light, and there was light. It was not the light of the sun, as we look out, that he was bringing into view, but actually rolling back the darkness by the spoken word. He was in his stage of this creation, He had already started condescending, of course, before this in the form of Christ. Christ was that visible part of God which could be seen. I know it may be quite misunderstood, but he says, look, Christ in you makes him the center of the life of the revelation. Christ's life in you makes him the center of the revelation. Christ in the Bible makes him, makes the Bible the complete revelation of Christ. So when you read about Moses, foreshadowing Christ. Joshua, foreshadowing Christ. Joseph, foreshadowing Christ. Joseph's wife, a Gentile, foreshadowing Christ and his bride. Christ, listen to this. Christ in you makes you the complete revelation of the whole thing. You see what God is trying to do. Christ in you. Now, once you notice now, he's not saying Jesus. The human body was Jesus. And the angel told Mary, thou shalt call his name Jesus, not Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus, which is, of course, Yahshua, Jehovah's Savior. So thou shalt call his name Jesus. But he was to later be called Lord 
Jesus Christ, but not at his birth. It would have not been fitting or matched where he was. But the Bible goes on to tell us that God has made this same Jesus both Lord and Christ. So the middle part was the human part. That was Jesus, as Brother Joel Young sings for us about the middle man. Well, you see, Jesus was the human part in between deity, divine, and human, which is us. So he was the Lord Jesus Christ. But he wasn't born Lord Jesus Christ. He was born Jesus. Then he was made Lord and he was also made Christos, which is the Christ. So the Christos, the Christ part, is that which was preexistent before the human part, which was called Jesus. Now, I don't want to blow you away this morning, but if you're saved today and you've got the Holy Ghost in your soul, that which is in your soul is your part of Christ, which existed before you ever took a breath. That's right, you were a part of him. And the prophet goes on to say, insomuch that he is not complete without you. Now, I want you to listen to this. Christ in you makes you the complete revelation of the whole thing. See what God is trying to do? What is the new birth then? Now, listen carefully. You'd say, well, Brother Branham, What is the new birth? Here it is, friends, so simple. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. The revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. Now, this is why that we do not believe that a person is born again just upon saying, I I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross. I accept him as my personal savior. That is not necessarily the revelation of Christ revealed to you. You're repeating what somebody has said, which is what, of course, in this age and this generation has become a demonic replacement. Listen to me. A demonic replacement for the new birth. And I hate to say it, but I must go on a step further and say that many that follow this message believe that because they think God sent a prophet, that's the new birth. You're adding to what your own prophet said. He never said believing me means that you're born again. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ to you personally. Now God wants us as an assembly, as a body, of course, to be able to acknowledge the word and the revelation of what he's done in this day. But that's not the way you will go in the rapture. I will not go in the rapture. I can confess every day of my life that God sent a prophet and be lost and go to hell. Every demon out of hell knows that William Branham was not a false prophet. They've got a whole lot more sense than these folks that's left the message. 
As a matter of fact, they're the ones that's talking them into leaving so they can take them to hell with them after this life is over. But if we could give this platform over to demons for a little bit today, every one of them, if they could tell the truth, would have to tell you they were in personal battle and war with this prophet of God. He was far from a false prophet. They wouldn't have been terrified of a false prophet. They would have not been scared to death. They would have not told on one another as they did time and time again by discernment. As someone was standing before him here with cancer and another demon screaming out, this one screaming out for help back yonder and they would tell on one another time after time again. You imagine how they'd get so angry and so mad when they'd all get back down in hell again Again, and they talk about what they went through and one devil would just nearly smack the other in the face and say he didn't see me but blabbermouth you told on me you told on me how come you to tell on me so instead of one getting healed both of them got healed oh yeah that's what the devils would tell you about him and even as great as that is, being able to acknowledge that does not mean that you're saved because demons would acknowledge that he was a prophet. But yet that does not mean that they're going to be there. So then what is the new birth, Brother Bradham? It is Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ personally made known to you as an individual. And once you receive that, there's nothing in this world, nothing in the underworld, or nothing anywhere else that'll ever take it away from you. Because it is so real to you, it is beyond your humanity, it is beyond your reasoning, and in reality, it's beyond your own human understanding. You can't explain it a bit more than nothing. All you know is it's happened to you. What if somebody said, well, come and tell me, tell me what I have to do, tell me this, tell me that. We can certainly talk about how it's happened to us, but there's only one way an individual can really know it, and that's when it personally happens to them. And if it hasn't happened to you, my brother, sister, as a servant of God, I tell you today, you better be getting ready. I'm not saying that what's happened in the Ukraine is the last war. I don't know about that, but I don't know, and you don't know that you have a promise of getting up out of that pew where you're sitting today. That's right. Now notice when the word is revealed, it expresses itself, that's God's purpose for Jesus Christ was to express himself. I love this statement, it's profound to me. To take his own laws and live by his laws and fulfill his law by death. Now he was the great lawgiver that gave the laws and God couldn't just take the law and say, well, I'll just hide it. I'll, just, I'll do away with it and we won't need it no more. No, those laws must be fulfilled. Moses couldn't do it, Jeremiah couldn't do it, none that ever lived in the Old Testament could ever do it. So the Lord God must come himself and fulfill those laws and change the dispensation from law to grace, to take his own laws and live by his law and fulfill his law. Once you notice this, not just by obedience, not just fulfill the law by obeying every law, but fulfill the law by death. Then it would bring the law to its consummation and it could go no farther. Notice this, he says, and Christ, God died in flesh. 
Now remember, Christ, God died in flesh. Christ, but Christ was the anointing. But Jesus was the body. So the Christ lives in the body. Oh my. Did it keep him from sickness and trouble? It did not. Remember, the Christ never got sick. The Christ never got a headache. But Jesus got sick. Jesus got a headache. So what is it about us that we think we're some type of special something or another and trouble shouldn't come our way? It come his way, it's gonna come yours. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelling in him never kept him from heartache. The fullness of the attribute of God, the pleurorema, never kept him from all of the anxieties and trouble. The complete fullness of the Godhead bodily never kept him from sickness and what portion you have isn't gonna keep you from it either. But it will give you strength to go through it. And Christ, God died in flesh in order to condemn sin in the flesh that he might bring to himself a glorious bride redeemed back that will believe, oh my, only in the word of God and not swap it like Eve did for intellectual conceptions of man. Now friends, I I hope you understand, it's not just that we have to watch for the denominational thing out here. Notice the prophet's terminology that what Eve turned down, we accept. And what Eve accepted, we refused. So what was that? It was an intellectual conception of Satan anointing the serpent to twist the word of that day. Now he did not deny it. He was not a, you know, an atheist or so. Well, there is no God. There is no God. Wise words and absolute outright lie. You cannot trust his word. People like that ain't gonna deceive very many folks at all. But he took the word with an intellectual conception and explained away the promised word of that day. And the prophet tells us that he's done exactly the same way in every age. And he's gonna do the same thing in this age. And I hate to say it, but he's gonna try to do the same thing around the message of the hour to explain away the value of the promised word for this day. Well, don't get in your mind now. For some, and they'll explain, well, we don't need a prophet no more. Well, he will do that because there's an element of people that that will seduce. But then there'll be other people that he will try to explain away another portion of the word. And that is that you don't need preachers. Or another portion of the word that you don't need miracles and divine healing. It, whatever people's diet is in their soul is exactly what he will have. But inevitably, it will be for one thing. To explain away the value of the promised word of every day. And the only way that he can do it to you and I is that we allow him to do so. Well, you don't need to go to church no more. You don't need preachers no more. You don't need to live right. You don't need to pray. You don't need to read your Bible. Well, if you believe that, then by an intellectual conception, you have allowed Satan to take away that portion of the promised word of the day. And don't think he wants to take it all. All he's got to do is convince you of one thing, just one thing. He did not take everything that God said away from Eve, but he said, you will not surely die. He didn't say there was no God in that hour oh my, add this, take away there. All he had to do was add one thing. Oh, I believe God sent a prophet, hallelujah. Well, glory to God. Where do you go to church? I don't need to go to church. Uh, You're gone right there. You're finished right there. 
Well, come on, saints. You're finished right there. Well, I, I, I believe he's the same yesterday and forever, sort of. But, but we don't need that old shouting stuff. We don't need all that. Yes, we do. Because the second Adam's children act the way they did on the day of Pentecost. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. That's not what I said. That's what your prophet said in what it was, Shreveport, 1965, in the month of November. The second Adam's children are going to act like the second Adam. They came back the way they did on Pentecost, and then we come in the last thing. We sat around here like a bunch of dried up sticks, and we don't believe in the move of God. Something wrong with us. Oh, my. Notice this, and they will not swap it like Eve did for intellectual conceptions of man. So you look at every man-made move around this message, and what has it been? So much scripture, so much message mixed in with so much intellectual conception. Well, Brother Branham didn't exactly say the seven thunders was this, but this is what we believe it is. There you go. There's your conception. Well, Brother Branham didn't exactly say, you know, he was going to come back in a tent and he was going to preach. He didn't exactly say that, but he alluded to it. He, he sort of, you know, sort of, kind of, there you go, intellectual conception of man. Oh my, but what will the bride do? No matter how close it's in, I, I hope you understand, friend, that before we get ready to leave in the rapture, it must come so close in the message of the hour. Do you think Pentecost is our twin? Do you think it's gonna be so close from Pentecost, from them people out there that deceive the folks in this message? No, no, no. It will be around our own ranks. They will quote the prophet. They'll have pictures of the prophets. They'll have, oh my, all the little, you know, the little copies of the briefcase and the little belt buckles and the little copies of the 270 bullet and all that sort of thing. That don't make you spiritual. That don't give you rapturing faith. It will be so close, it would deceive the very elected. It's gonna be right next to us. But it won't deceive the bride. Oh no. Notice this, in there, there would be a time come forth when he could express his fullness, notice himself, in fullness of his Godhead deity through his church. So there would come a time. There would come a time. Now, the prophet uses the, the strange sense of this, and he, he, wasn't, he didn't say it in the way that he said it then, that it is here so far, or that it was here in the days of Luther, or it's coming in 2030 or 2050. I don't know exactly when you know, to place it, but he said there would come a time that he himself, he could express himself in fullness of his Godhead deity, and the word Godhead in the New Testament comes from the Greek word theos, which means deity. So he said the deity through his church. So my, you know, here Brother Renan bringing this great message and he does not stop that the son of man would come down and reveal himself in prophet form according to Luke 17, 30. But he would actually advance on and bring this fullness into his entire body on the earth. And he believes it. Through his church, have the preeminences in his church. Oh my, what? The anointed man. Now watch this, the anointed man. So God takes the oil of gladness as it was prophesied in the book of Psalms of the Messianic prophecy. He would take the oil of gladness and he said, thou art anointed above thy brethren. So God would anoint Christ, the head, 
the mind, the intelligence, the symbolism of the God head bodily. God would anoint the head and then the head would allow the anointing. He would not take it all and just wipe it all over the head and not let a drop of it come down on the body, but he would anoint the head and then he would allow the oil to flow down his eyes, down his beard, come down his face, down the neck, and it would come down. Don't you see what rapturing faith is it's not like we're waiting for a special tape from Jeffersonville or somebody in Trinidad is going to get a special revelation or maybe somebody in Washington state is going to find out what day the Lord is going to come and then you got to be hooked up to them in order to understand when and how and how's those folks in Africa which don't have electricity going to know for those who promote their church and their website and their preacher and you gotta have their app and their you know www.whateveritis.com and you've gotta be a part of that to be a part of the rapture. I feel sorry for some of our brothers and sisters in Africa who still don't even have electricity in their house. They do not have smartphones. They don't have laptop computers. Oh, but I mean, they've got one thing. Maybe it'll help them. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. They've got the revelation of Jesus Christ. They don't know nothing about Happy Valley. They don't know nothing about Donnie Reagan or nothing about some of these guys that want everybody to follow them. But they have met Jesus, hallelujah, through the revelation of this message. Some little old brother pedaling down through on a bicycle that you bought and going down into some of them villages where they don't even wear clothes and convinced them that God not only sent a prophet, but God came himself and come to die for them. Oh, hallelujah. And they're able to accept that they don't have a nice assembly like we do this morning. They don't have a beautiful organ and beautiful music, but some of them gather under trees. They gather under mud huts because that's the kind of house they live in, mud huts with no floor. But brother, when the change comes, you look for them because they will be there. Amen. Why? Because it has been revealed to them. Some of them to this day have never even read Christ the mystery of God revealed. They've never even held a seal book in their hand. Some of them, I just saw some pictures the other day of some of our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world receiving a personal Bible for their first time in their life. Receiving different messages that you and I have laying around our coffee tables at home and them receiving it the first time in their life and embracing them and holding them like you would hold a bar of gold or you would hold a bar of silver or platinum or whatever more. Why? Because to them that word is more precious than a new house. That word, oh man, is more precious than fine carpet on the floor. Oh thanks be to God. I'll tell you what God will do in the spite of hell in the face of false prophets around this message. God will have a bride around the world black, white, red, yellow of every race, of every nationality, from every continent on the earth and God will resurrect that bride with his power and all hell cannot keep her down. Oh my. The anointed man, the head, now the anointed people. Don't you understand? You're not just anointed to pray for the sick. Oh, I feel the anointing to sing. I'm not talking about that. You're anointed to be bride. Amen. 
You don't become bride by choice. Oh, I'm going to be bride. Well, who wouldn't want to be? Who in the world wouldn't want to be? Oh my goodness, aren't you brothers glad that you didn't have to marry every woman that wanted to be married to you? Well, maybe some of y'all believe in plague me. I don't know. I mean, well, y'all, that's kind of a weak amen. You did have a choice, right? Aren't you glad, Brother Larry, you had a choice? Aren't you brothers glad you got to choose and you got to marry the woman that you fell in love with? Well, people are doing to the Lord Jesus what they will not do to their sons. They're handpicking the bride of the Lord Jesus and she looks like a Jezebel and a prostitute and everything else. But they're saying, Jesus, you gotta marry her. Oh no, Jesus is saying back to you, no, I won't either. I'm gonna marry her who I slipped the wedding band of predestinated unmerited grace on her finger before the foundation of the world. I will marry a woman that's like me. I am the word and my bride will be the word. I am the anointed head and my bride is the anointed body. Hell can't stop her. Sickness can't stop her. Disease can't stop her. Get out of the way, hell. You're not stopping this bride. She is the anointed body of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. The anointed man. Remember in, in, in Luke 4, when Jesus comes into the synagogue, and unlike all the message, folks, Jesus went to church, as was his custom. So Jesus wasn't just an Easter Sunday guy or a Christmas guy. You see him on Easter Sunday and say, see y'all, Merry Christmas, see y'all next time. Jesus went to church, as was his custom. And when he goes up there, now the bar mitzvah had already happened, of course, at the age of 12. At the age of 12, a Jewish boy enters into what they call manhood. So by then, he's able to take the Torah and read from the Holy Scriptures and comment. Now this had already happened, of course, when Jesus was in the temple, remember that? And he took the Scriptures and he expounded them. This is the greatest bar mitzvah the world has ever seen. And now he's standing there in uh, Nazareth and he takes the Scripture, the priest hands him the Scripture, and he goes to Isaiah, and he begins to read of his own life. Oh, glory. Thou hast anointed me to preach the gospel. Thou hast done this, and thou hast done that. And then the people got silent. Now it's his time to comment. Comment, Rabbi. Comment. This is his comment. This day. This scripture. If I have a commentary, I want it to be this. This day, this scripture is fulfilled. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, the people heard this and they got so angry. And the Bible said that they run him out of the synagogue and they pick up stones to stone him. Carolyn, I was there a few years ago in a little community that they've reconstructed there in the place of Nazareth. And they've used the old stones and the stone buildings and my, your mind goes back as you walk into those places what it must have been like 2,000 years ago up on a little bit of a precipice and a hill. And that was a place where they was going to throw him down. But they they couldn't throw him down. They might pick up stones just on another place. The Bible said that he passed right among them and went on. Why? Because it was not yet his time. But he was able to stand there and say, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. Oh, little bride, when will it arrive? 
that we will be able to take God's word and God's message for this hour instead of just quoting it like quotes, that we would be able to say this day, this word is fulfilled in our lives. Oh, notice this. Anointed by why? Accepting what Eve turned down and Adam. Coming back with the anointing. Now wait a minute, I, 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 thought, I thought the anointing was just feeling. I thought the anointing was, ooh, I feel it all over me. Oh, I feel the anointing. I understand that. I feel that too. But there is an anointing of the word. And I hope you understand it. Sometimes they don't come with feelings. And sometimes it is past feeling. But yet you're on so anointed with the word. Every step you want it to be pleasing to him. Because the anointing of preeminence is possessing your human tabernacle. And if you say one thing wrong, do one thing wrong, the anointing of preeminence, oh Lord, thank you, Jesus, drops conviction in your heart and smites you and you say, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. Lord, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry, Lord. Why? It's not an anointing just to cast out devils. It's not just an anointing to lay hands on the sick. It is an anointing of preeminence from the head, it flows down to the body. I do that which only pleases my Father. Oh, if I had a pencil in my pocket, I'd write a piece of paper there. Remember Brother Tim preached that years ago. He was there preaching and the Lord got a hold of his heart and he wrote down a note. He's gonna preach another sermon out of that. Wow, what a thought, an anointing of preeminence. Hallelujah. Notice, anointed by what? Accepting what Eve turned down and Adam. Coming back with the anointing of the word because he said, my word is spirit. See, anointed with the word. What Eve turned down, he comes back and we accept. Do you notice he didn't say we come back? What Eve turned down, he comes back and we accept. So who are we accepting? Him. Him. Christ the Word. You see when folks say, I'm leaving that old message, I'm leaving. They're not leaving Happy Valley Church. They're not leaving Brother Tim's church, this church, that church. They're leaving Christ the Word. My goodness, the message folks, if they really believe the Bible, we believe in salvation by the Lord Jesus, not through William Branham. We believe in salvation. How are we saved? How are we saved? We confess William Branham. Oh no, you're an absolute idolater if you do that. We're saved by accepting the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. So when message folks, these performer message folks say they're leaving the message, they're leaving that too. But what Eve turned down, he comes back and we accept. Notice next, secondly, the manifested Christ in you. Now this is the second fold of his mystery. The hope of glory, that great manifested God in Christ. Now Christ manifested in you. Look, what was once God's great secret, great mysterious secret in his mind is now put in the hearts of the believer. That is the body of Christ. 
What was God's once great secret in his mind before the foundation of the world is now made manifest? Let's read Colossians chapter two, verse nine. For in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The word fullness is pleroma. And it means the sum total of all that God is, all of his being, all of his attributes, pleroma. Notice in verse 10, and ye are complete, which is pleurosis, and ye are complete in him. A complete Christ makes a complete people. Praise. Well, can't you see why we must have the right understanding of the Godhead? Don't you understand? The majority of Christendom today, they do not have a complete Christ. He is a second person, which is weaker, which is watered down. That wasn't even in the beginning. This is part of the Arian doctrine that come way back during the first church age, whenever they were dividing as far as what Christ was. What was he? Well, some of them said he was God only. Others said, no, he was a God man. Others said, no, no, he was, he was just man and had a little bit of God. Why has Satan done that to try to blind the porosis of the bride? If you don't understand, he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Then God could divide himself on the day of Pentecost and become our porosis. Ye are complete. The Greek word there is porosis. I love the word that Paul used. Because remember, Paul was a man that knew about ships and knew about battle and a lot of his scriptures when you read them. And you know the, the account of that day, he, he used a lot of things about ships and a lot of things about war and a lot of things about battle. Now this is a terminology of the Navy of that day or the ships. And the complete, the fullness was whenever they were getting ready to go on a journey and they would load all the tapping and they would load the food and they would load everything. And then the ship itself, the captain would come in and they'd have all these men and they'd go in the lower deck, the upper deck, and they'd check for everything. They'd check for extra rope for storm and they'd check for food just in case they got marooned out there somewhere. And he said, ye are complete. So he's saying, you are ready for your embarking out of the harbor of your salvation. You are ready to embark on this journey and your ship has been searched from stem to stern. It has been from the very bottom up in the galley all the way up. You've got all the food you need. You've got all the encouragement you need. You've got everything you need. The lading is there. The extra rope is there when you're going through storms. Boy, I've been needing some of that lately, ain't you? But the ship and you are so complete in him, you will need nothing else added to your ship. Oh, filled up or filled full. Now, does that look half full to you all? That's the way I want to be. Brother West, Brother Keith, Brother Sisters, I don't want to be this type of Christian. I've got just a little touch on the bottom and I've got just enough to be so stinking miserable. Don't get around me, I'm a Christian. I believe the message of the hour. You better sit down, I'll take you one thing. You need more. Get rid of that old grouchy devil off of you. Make you fall in with love, oh my, with your enemies. Even that hate you and despise you, it'll make you pray for them. Not because you have to, but because you want to. 
Oh my, thank God. Filled up or fill full in him. There you go. The fullness. Oh, thanks be to God. So not only the fullness of the Godhead bodily, parima in Christ, but then the condescension of God becomes that fullness living in us. Not me being the fullness of the Godhead. Not you, Brother Rob. But in the entire body. This is why we need folks in the third world country. Whether you like it or not, God planted predestinated seed. And some of those black folks over there, they still may not know the left from the right hand. Come on, saints. I don't mind telling you, I have a problem with folks who think they're better than other folks. Can you tell me what makes one dirt bag better than another dirt bag? We say, I've got more money. So in other words, then, if you give me your money, I'm better than you are, and you're now the dirt bag. Well, my house is bigger than yours, all right? So I'll, I'll trade with you this week and then I'll move into your house and that means I'm a better person than you because I live in your house, drive your car. Don't you understand where that comes from? Hell! The greatest that there ever was humbled himself to become in the form of a servant. Amen. Dear Jesus, you're gonna keep on, you're gonna get me fired, I'm telling you. You see, we have received and are partakers of the divine nature. Where before we had the nature of the serpent in us. We lied and we liked it. Come on, don't sit there and look at me like a bunch of angels. Some of you all used to be some of the biggest deceivers ever was. You used to love deceiving people. You used to love to lie and smile about it because you could do it. But what got a hold to you? Your husband died. God killed that old serpent nature. Come on now. And God made you a partaker of his own divine nature and the anointing from the head rolled down over you. Oh, hallelujah. And he placed him to be the head over the body. Look at Colossians 2.11. In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made with thine hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. Notice how he likens this to a spiritual body. So our sinful nature was not only a nature, but it had a body by which it sinned in. Putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. God made him to be this for us. God had to condescend to a spot and step out of his deity and allow himself to take on the form, not of a great hero general, but a little bitty baby. You imagine in one moment in eternity, the angels were standing there in this visible form of God, disappeared. They received their last command. They gave him their last worship. And all of a sudden he reappeared on the earth. 
And he went, wah, wah, wah. Imagine the angels of God. You say, well, they were there. Yes, they were there. They're the one who told the shepherds he's born in the city of David. Can you imagine seeing him in his Christ form? Then you see him condescend in his Jesus form. And there you are as an angel of God all around his little place where he was born. Manure, straw, hay. And he felt more at home with a donkey than he did a king. He felt more at home with a cattle. May the Holy Ghost always feel at home in our church. I hope we don't think we know so much and we're this and that and the other that the Holy Ghost would feel more at home with a donkey than he would with us. Well, come on, church, don't get quiet on me. You imagine them looking at him and them, the mystery of God, great is the mystery of God, for God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, received up into glory, and now he steps. They just saw him a moment ago in that great Christ form, and now they see him in the Jesus baby form. And they watch him as he grows up. In Luke 2.52, the Bible says he grew in wisdom and stature before God. And man, and the angels looking at him said, how could this be? How could this be? I know him. I was with him in eternity. He made me. But they had to keep it a secret. You imagine they heard people ridiculing and making fun of him that they wanted to scream it out. You don't know who this is. But they had to hold their peace. Oh, children. I went to God. I went to God, the folks in Johnson City, Elizabeth, Bristol, Shady Valley. I wish they realized who's in this hill today. They think it's a bunch of nuts. They think it's the skirt church. They think we're a bunch of idiots. If they only knew, it's the same Lord Jesus. Oh, Brother Donnie, you saying he's not in these other churches? I'm not not saying that at all. Can they get saved there? Well, I guess they can. But I'm talking about where his fullness is. I ain't talking about a portion. I ain't talking about a hand or a finger. I'm talking about himself. His identity is in the secret place with his pride. I don't want an outer court experience. I don't want just an inner court. I want to know him. The holy of holies. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is, your being in Christ is the work of God. It was that it might bring him further glory to save you. To sanctify you. To fill you with the Holy Ghost. You're not a Christian today to bring you honor. 
You're a Christian to bring him honor. Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul is taking us back to this state of the earth when she was in this aqueous condition, totally covered by water and darkness. What a parallel to the believer. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. What a strange parallel that Paul would use, not really. When you think that the prophet of God did the same thing about the earth in Genesis 1-3. As it stood with this aquifus over the entire thing. A star spinning out in darkness and chaos. And it's God-given orbit, true. But still that which could not be used. Oh, I just read last week where this new web telescope that they've sent up. It's now reached its place where it will orbit one million miles from the earth. It makes me so mad every time I think about it. They can control a telescope a million miles away and I can't receive a phone call. A million miles from the earth. And they're wanting to peer so far back to where they can find where it started and what they called the Big Bang. Well, I'm not saying there wasn't a lot of fireworks and Big Bang going on when he spoke. I know that's the way it was for me. I had my own personal Big Bang. I still get kind of banged around sometimes every now and then, don't you? Hallelujah, I get some darkness around my life. I need a big bang every now and then for the trouble to roll away and the sickness to roll away. And here Paul says, for God who commanded the light to shine, notice from where, out of darkness. So it wasn't like it come from way out here somewhere and it went into the darkness and broke it away. He commanded for it to shine out of darkness. He gave birth to light out of darkness. This is why he let us live in the darkest age that human beings have ever been on the earth. It's never been a time so bad. And then he put you here and called you into existence and give birth to your soul and said, now shine, now shine, now shine, child of God, out of darkness. Yeah. 
For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Now watch, he jumps from the creation. They're bringing light into existence. and goes straight to us. Hath shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So God has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, which is gnosis. And the Greeks are the author, of course, of this language of this word. And gnosis to them, also to the Jews, was not just of knowing it, but it was putting what you know into action. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face. Notice, not plural. God don't have a face, only in Jesus. The Holy Ghost don't have a separate face. There's one face. God ain't two-faced, or three-faced, or four-faced, or five-faced. God had one face. That's the face of Jesus Christ. This is why we must peer with revelation into that face as we looked at it some time ago about the mirror being made out of burnished brass and the one over they would look into that and the, the sun behind them shining on that. If it was reflecting light enough, it would actually hit the piece of burnished brass and reflect itself on their face. And they took on the very reflected image. God has one face. John saw one throne and he didn't see three guys fighting over it. Hey, get out of my way. Get out of the way. The Holy Ghost said, hey, let me sit down here, Daddy. And Daddy said, no, son, you get out of here. I'm the only one got a throne. Man, it got me thrown out of a camp years and years ago down in Texas. I got up and preached it. I didn't have a bit more sense than just get up and say what the truth was. And I got up and said, if there's another God in heaven, he's sitting on the floor because there's only one throne in heaven. Hallelujah. After that meeting, they asked me to leave. That's quite all right. I've been thrown out of better places before. And I'll say it again today, if you've got another God other than the Lord Jesus, he's sitting on the floor in heaven because there ain't but one God. Hallelujah, there's one God. Not manifested in three persons. Idolatry. And Philip says unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus answered and said unto him, Philip, have I been so long time with you, and you don't know me? I thought he was asking to see the Father. That was the Father talking back out of the body. That was the father talking back. That's why Brother Rim said it, it, the disciples was all tore up because part of the time it was Jesus talking. Part of the time it was the father talking. Amen. Well, come on, somebody. That's the same way you and I are. When we get under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and we quote that word, devil's out of hell, back up. Oh, now we can read it and quote it ourselves and they just go along. But once they hear the father's voice behind your and my voice, all hell is tore up. was so thick you could cut it as we say but it was dispelled by a simple command 
let there be light. And there was light. The darkness that enshrouded our hearts, our souls, was so thick. You were running around in the world. Some of you thought you were so happy. You were drinking and smoking and doing all the stuff that you was doing. You weren't hunting for God. It was God hunting for you. But God found you in that condition and spoke his name over you. His word. Praise God. And the light of the knowledge of the glory of God can only be revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, the only way we can really share light is first, we must become light. And we all know down through time there's been all kinds of folks that could witness in every age. And they would actually witness about the message of that day. We know that. We can read the history of it. And then later they'd backslide and, and, and recant and deny the very thing that they led people to. Why? They did not become the light of the age first themselves. They was just talk, 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 talk. But God wants himself to be reflected through the face of Jesus Christ into our soul. And it births light in us. Don't you understand when Brother Branham would see people in the fourth dimension, the realm, the dimension of vision. People would walk up and there could be light on their body, light on their soul rather, and darkness on their body. So they'd walk up, eh, I see a dark shadow around you. I see a shadow around you, but you're a Christian. So here the two forces are present in the same person. But then there would be other instances by discernment that people would come up themselves being sinners or they would have children that were lost. I see you've got three children and they're not saved. It's darkness all around them. Now this darkness is emanating from their soul. Praise God. A person could be sitting right here today full of the Holy Ghost and have a cancer in their body. And if a prophet would be able to be here in the fourth dimension and look and he would see that darkness around that individual. Not in their soul. So God speaks and the darkness dissipates from around our soul. That is the new birth. Then when we take the light of the day, we're not just trying to share something we've heard. We're sharing something that we have become. Is it a strange thing that the New Testament says? Ye who were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord? Not you're in the light, but ye are light. So we must be made light in the Lord before we can properly share the light of the Lord. God first shines and breaks the darkness out of our soul and lets his light, the day spring from on high, resurrect in us. You see, light everywhere in the Bible is symbolized by knowledge, truth. Darkness symbolizes bondage. 
error, wickedness. So the great war has been since the fall of man in the beginning, a war between light and darkness. Let me go to verse seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. This is what you and I are today. Simply a jar of clay. Again, I say it. Oh, I I don't know. I just don't understand why one dirt jar thinks they're better than another dirt jar. Oh, but I'm from the rich brown dirt of Texas. That brother sitting by you may be from the red clay of Alabama. That other one sitting over on the other side of it may be from the Moab, you know, out of Moab, Arizona, or Utah, rather. And this one might be from the brown, rich, loamy soil of, of a Mississippi or Louisiana. You're still an earthen vessel. It's not the vessel that deserves honor. It's not the vessel that we should just magnify and go on about. It's the treasure in the vessel. Oh my, you see, it is, it is the treasure in the vessel that increases the value of the vessel. It is not the vessel itself. It is just another jar of clay. This one, that one, that one. God's gathered a bunch of us here today and we're all just jars of clay. God, for his own purpose, will put more treasure in one than the other than the other. But what can the jar say? Oh, I found more favor than you did. I'm a greater lump of clay than you are, Really? Oh my, I'm from that dark, loamy soil. As you cross the Mississippi and you come across out of Mississippi and you cross into Louisiana, oh my, that dark land out through there when all them corn fields and all them cotton crops and all that, man, I tell you, I come from that dark, fertile soil. Brother Donnie, you ain't nothing but just an old hillbilly. Had to dig hard to scrub up enough dirt, get between the rocks. I agree with you, amen, amen. But for whatever reason, we're still, hallelujah, sharing of one common glory. That glory ain't a Reagan glory. It ain't a Johnson glory or a Whitson glory or a Yance glory. It's the glory of God. Can't you see when the Lord Jesus came to that woman at the well and found her, what was she? She was a muddled up, messed up jar of clay. But the Lord God wanted to depart in her part of his glory. How did she see it? The face of Jesus Christ. We're weak, feeble having bodies that are decaying, dying, fragile. Hey, and Brother Darrell and myself and some brothers was out several years ago in New Mexico hunting right near the Mexican border. We were able to go, Brother Darrell was able to go over to where Geronimo actually was captured in the famous picture taken by our United States government right there at the very spot where they took it at. But when we were there out, where we were walking about, and able to find pottery from the days of the Indians. Now, 100 years ago, we were Brother Stephen Smith right at the foot of the Chiricahua Mountains and a ranch there. And that man, it was unbelievable, all the things that man had on his porch and all the stone axes and pots and pot sherds and this and that and the other. 
You know, you look at it and you think, how old is that? If that thing could talk to you, I know I'm weird and y'all think I'm weird. But I, I brought some of that home and I just think, I wonder what, what they drunk out of that. And how old was that? And that, that old brown wrinkled hand that took and painted them lines and all of that inside of that. What does it speak? It speaks of an era. It speaks of a time. It speaks of a people. It speaks of a people that lived there on the earth when Arizona belonged to them before the white renegade took it away from them and put them on reservation. Now come on you white folks, your prophet said being a white man, he said the white man is the renegade. I'll tell you one thing, us white folks think we're the great, great society, it'll be the grace of God any white folks are saved. Every one of you white folks sitting here today that's filled with the Holy Ghost, you're a trophy of the grace of God. Because come on now white folks, don't get mad at me. It runs in our old white folks to think we're better than everybody. We ain't better than nobody. My, look at our broken pottery that lays all around us. We've got black pieces and white pieces and red pieces broken down through time. But God said, I'm not gonna throw the clay away. I'm gonna take it back and put it up on the wheel and I'm gonna mold it and I ain't gonna set it up there to be empty, but I'm gonna fill it with my Shekinah. I'm gonna fill it with my deity. I'll make it a vessel like mine. The body itself is worthless. The body itself ain't worth a whole lot, but I will put a great treasure inside there. My own life, my own nature, my own name. So out of the bowels of the earth, man pulls out gold and silver, copper, precious metals. That stuff actually belonged to the mine where they found it. Man takes it from the bowels of the earth. The man refines it, makes it into this, that, and the other. The man starts worshiping it. Becomes a piece of idolatry. The mind didn't worship it when it had it. But man takes it out and he goes to making this and that and the other out of it. It's the same times, many times with gifts. People will make an idol out of a preacher, a pastor, a singer, a prophet. But yet when God had it, he didn't make an idol out of it. As a matter of fact, the prophet tells us, what is it, the church age book? The seventh angel deserves no more credit, no more honor than that of his brethren. For those who worship him around this message and make an idol out of him, I'll preach against it for years and I'll preach against it till I die. Amen. You're doing, Brother Branham, one of, the grace, one of the greatest detriments that you could do to the man by raising him above his God-placed position. Oh, we honor him. We thank God for him. But I will never bow my knee to no man. I don't see this in the face of William Branham. I've got pictures of him too. But when I look at the face of William Branham, I see a man, yes, but a man. A man that was born lost like me. A man that needed to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Need to ask God to forgive him. A man that made all kinds of mistakes. So he said himself. But when I look in the face of the Lord Jesus, I see the only God. To him alone dwell immortality and light. There's no one like him. Every knee will bow to him and every tongue confess. Ain't that right? 
Thus, the preachers of the gospel are not the authors of that which is committed to their earthen jar. They're simply the carrier. It is the great depositor himself who deposits this in the life of man. Why was Brother Branham going to come off the field? Quit preaching. Because people was making him the Lord Jesus. Is that right? He said he'd stand before God as a quitter before he'd stand there as an antichrist or to be an impersonator. Praise the Lord. Don't raise no preacher. Your mom, your daddy, nowhere into that holy sacred place. No one but Jesus. You can look in the face of your mama no matter how much she loves you. Looking in her face, you can go to hell. Look in the face of your grandpa, your favorite preacher. But if you can ever catch a glimpse of the face of God through the face of Jesus Christ, you're saved, redeemed, forever saved. How long would it last? Well, if you get it deep enough and in the right place, forever. Sealed to the day of your redemption. So today, friends, you jars of clay. So, your shirt may have cost, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure what great big high dollar expensive shirts cost. I bought this one here at the mall over in Asheville at the Dillard's Outlet. Sometimes you can get them 25% off and 50% off, which is what I watch for. So then if I take this shirt off and I put on one that costs three or $400, this suit right here I bought down at one of the black men's suit stores in South Carolina, $129. Whew, high dollar. Whoa. But now if I put on one that costs three or 4000 and it was custom tailor-made, would that make me a different person? Just because the jar has a different wrapping. But why is it that we tend to surround ourselves with all kinds of things and the more things we get, I don't know what it is, but some people's head goes to going. And they get that nose stuck up in there. And Brother Mem said, if it rained, it'd drown them. Wrap a mink coat around a dollar and something is what he said was, was our value then. So what are you? A jar of clay. But what makes you great? Think of it. There's not a people of the, on the earth any more blessed than you are. Because you come here? No. Because I'm your pastor? <laughs> no. Because he become you. But Tom, he become you that you might become him. So what we need to glorify is the treasure in the jar. Not the jar. Oh, sure, comb your hair, take a bath, at least for our sake, please. If you ain't got your own, I'll buy you some, I promise, for the sake of those sitting around you. We ought to do that, yes. But to glorify this, to make this, I, I, me, me, mine, my, I, I, it's idolatry, friends. Let's worship the treasure in the vessel. Can you imagine that little Bedouin boy when he climbs up in those caves and I stood there a couple of years ago. And he looked down inside of them caves. And he threw a rock looking for a little lost goat. And he threw a rock. And when he did, he heard a rock hit 
a jar. And it poof, broke. Well, he climbed on down in there. It got down in there. And here he comes out with pieces of skin. He probably didn't know what it was. Probably been a bed one. Poor little guy probably couldn't even breathe. But he told someone else. He told someone else. What was it? The Dead Sea Scrolls. Now for those of you who have been in the scroll of the book there in Jerusalem, here it's made like the top of the urn. An architect designed it so the top of this building is shaped like a top of an urn, the way they take their fingers and run it around and spin it through that. What was in that? The book of Isaiah, almost a complete book of Isaiah. Still unraveling books and still studying them to this day that was found decades ago. It was a treasure that was hidden. Where? In jars of clay. Praise God. Lord God, bury your treasure in me. How many wants that? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, forgive the vanity of our flesh. We know, Lord God, that even was Paul, our beloved brother, as saved as he was, as seed as he was, still there was an element of his humanity that you had to humble and keep humbled. And he said, lest I should be exalted above measure, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan was, was sent to buffet me, lest at any time I should be exalted above measure. Help us, Lord Jesus. We are not the dispensers of grace and mercy. Sometimes we look at people and think, oh, Lord, they've done such horrible things. Wow, they'll never be saved. They'll never. We're, we're not the dispensers of grace. It ain't really my place or nobody else's place here today to say this person or that person can or cannot be saved. That's up to you. Help us, I pray, Father. You told us in your word, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Not troublemakers, peacemakers. Oh, Father, let the glory, let the glory of Jesus shine out of our vessel. Oh, God, may we, no matter what we're worth, what you do for us, how you reflect yourself through us. May we never take the glory to the jar. But may the jar just be as it were when the dead seas were found. Scrolls and they were found in those broken jars. Those jars served their purpose. Then the treasures were retrieved. Even just some months ago, an archaeologist still looking in the caves of Qumran and found some more buried there. How many more treasures are there? May we realize, Lord Jesus, it's the same way with us. Bury your treasure in us. And the more we get out of the way, the more the treasure will be revealed. Help me, Jesus. I'm a lot older now than I was when I first saw this word. Got a lot of miles behind me, preached a lot of sermons. Ain't got as much energy maybe and as much strength and this and that, but Whatever I've got left, I give it to you, Lord God. I give it to you, Father. Many of us have seen many, many things come and go. 
as well as people come and go. But may we be solid, true people built upon the rock. Shine through us, Lord Jesus. As we look into your face, may the light from your face shine on ours. May the glory of God change us and make us like you. How many wants that with all your heart? Would you raise your hand to him today? Those of you streaming the service, our invisible audience, may you do likewise. May God help each of you. Praise God. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Let's just raise our old jar hands now, as it were, up into the presence of the exalted one. May he take our jars. Praise God. Hallelujah. May he fill our jars with his glory. Then one day he will come. If we're alive, he'll change our jars to be made like unto his own glorious jar. Don't you understand? God needed a jar too. God didn't want to come to the earth in the form of theophany. But he come to the earth in the form of of a human jar, if I can say it that way. And they looked at the jar and said, is not this the son of Joseph, the carpenter? Is not his mother, his brothers, his sisters, are not they with us? Of course, they was looking at what they thought was the human genealogy of the jar. But you were hid in the jar. It was the jar that bled. It was the jar that screamed out on the cross, my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Our jars bear many scars. Our jars go through many things. And unless you come, Lord, our jars will go through the final phase and death will strike us and we'll be released from this jar and we'll take the jar and bury it. And it'll lay there. And there'll be a stone placed up over us. Here lies Donnie Reagan. Born July the 9th, 1956, died whatever. Oh, but Lord God, if we've got that reflection from your face, when death strikes, it simply moves us, the real us, into our other house, which is not a jar, but a theophany. Lord, don't let a one here today be missing, I pray. We worship you, Lord God. Sing something for us, Harry. I know it's going to be a pretty day out today and nice and sunny and all that, but I'll tell you one thing. It feels like an awful, beautiful, sunny day right here, right now. Not S-U-N-N-Y, but the S-O-N. Why don't we just bathe in his presence for just a few minutes before we go? Let's just worship him a little bit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just claim your vessel in sanctification and keep it clean. Keep it free from the things of the world, pride, vanity, worldliness, all those things. That's, that's something you and I must do. We must possess our vessel in sanctification. Keep it so the glory can shine through us. The Lord might use you to be able to bring somebody to Him. Give them a smile. Give them a kind word. Let them know Jesus is still alive. Praise God. Empty and broken.
came back to him a vessel unworthy so scarred by sin but he did not despair he started me. Mm-hmm. 
But when I stumble and I fall and my vessel breaks, He just picks up the broken pieces. He doesn't throw the clay. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I hear the prophet say something like this, Lord, let him move from this sickness over to the land of health. The land of health. Whatever you have need of in your body today, whether you're visible or invisible, whatever Satan's tried to do to you. I know some of you are still dealing with after effects of COVID. Some of you with after effects of vaccines. This and that and the other. Diseases and growths. But there's none of the above I mentioned and all those that can be mentioned that's greater than our God. Let's join together right now, saints, as a believing army. I want you to hold now, not just your need, but the needs of our brothers and sisters. 
doctor came into the emergency room where Erica was the other day and different people there seeing her and different ones offering blood and this and that. And the doctor said, you have got an army behind you. And she said, I thought, if you only knew. I'll tell you the army we have behind us. It's the army of Mahanaim. When Jacob met the angel of God and he called the name of that place May Anahim, the camp of the two armies. We not only have brothers and sisters, saints of God, but we got the army of the Most High. The angels of the Lord encamp about those that fear Him. Let's just pray right now. Maybe if you don't have a need, just pray for the rest of the saints in the assembly and the saints of God around the world. Heavenly Father, we bring the needs of our brothers and sisters before you today. Lord, for myself, I'm doing well at this present time and don't know of any healing that I need, so I'm not going to ask you for anything. I've got members in my family, Lord, that need it, but also my bigger family. My family is more than my wife, my daughters, my son-in-laws, my granddaughters, my brother, my sister-in-law, my nephew, his wife. My family is the family of God. Many of your children are suffering with sadness and depression, sickness and disease. Lord, I've never heard so much cancer being so rampant. Brother Tim, Brother Ron, and I was speaking about it the other day on a text, and I told him it ain't no wonder the angel of God stood there. And he mentioned the one thing of all the things he could have mentioned when he told the prophet of God, not even cancer will stand in the way of your prayer. Lord Jesus, we pray for your children today. Those that have cancer, tumors, whatever diseases and sicknesses that they're dealing with, we thank you for all the things that medical science can do. But we know a lot of times they don't have the answer. They don't know what to do. It was medical science that told Erica to take what she did and nearly killed her. I don't have full confidence in medical science, none of them. I have full confidence in you and you alone. You're the only one that won't make a mistake. Preachers will, humans will fail us. Oh God, but we call upon your name today as your believing children. May the healing virtue of Jesus Christ flow this visible assembly this morning. Bring healing, bring deliverance, bring peace. Bring redemption, bring sanctification for our brothers and sisters that are streaming that love to be here today. Father God, in the name of Jesus, may you go to their home. Oh Lord God, we join our faith together in the promise of your word and we ask it in the all-sufficient name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We bless your name. We raise our handles as it was from these earthen jars in the presence of Almighty God. We worship you. We adore you, blessed God. We say you are our Savior, our Redeemer, our El Shaddai, our El Gabor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he which is and was and is to come. 
He who said in the book of Isaiah, there is no God beside me. No, I know not one. Hallelujah. It is you who said in the book of Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Amen. They are thoughts of good. They are thoughts of good. The thoughts that you're thinking toward us today, they are not of evil. It was you who said in the book of Zephaniah that you will rejoice over us. Hallelujah. It was you who said to the prophet Isaiah, as a young man would marry the bride, so I will marry you and I will rejoice over you. You went on to say in the book of Zephaniah that you would sing songs of rejoicing over us. Oh, Father, we are your victory. If there's anything accomplished out of this earth, it sure won't be us. Bunch of old broken down jars, but it's the glory of God. We worship you today, Lord Jesus. We bless your name. We take our old broken jars and wave our hands in your presence and say, we love you. We love you, Father. Hallelujah. You're our mighty God. You're our redeemer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sing something for us, Harry, again. Let's just worship him just, just before we go now. Oh, blessed God, I worship your name. In prisoners' chains. I worship your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. With bleeding stripes. Bleeding stripes. You know, it must have hurt on them. All inside.
appreciate the word of the Lord this morning. So appreciate the anointing that's been here just the entire service. Sister Cloyd, that song was wonderful this morning. The Lord, the Lord surely blessed Caleb. Just been a wonderful time to be in church this morning. I'm so thankful that he didn't throw the clay away, aren't you? Some of us are version 496, maybe, but he didn't throw away the clay. I appreciate it. I've been saved by the grace of God this morning. Let's sing that as we go this morning. Well, I was alone in the darkness, and I could not find my way. But Jesus shined a light on me, and He turned on my night to Bro. 